at that moment that God was giving me something. And so we're going to talk about walking with God this morning. We've been talking about the call. Last Sunday was, was amazing. The, the word that Brother David Cook ministered to us, phenomenal. And just, I think it encouraged us and challenged us as, as a church. And I believe God's speaking to us as a church. He's called us. I think today he wants to just remind us that he wants us to walk with him. That's all, really ultimately what, what the call is about. He's calling us to walk with him, to be his hands and feet here on planet earth, and to fulfill his purpose. He wants to work with us, amen, and to see his kingdom established on, on this earth. And so we're, we're going to look at, at Hebrews chapter 11 and launch from there, Hebrews 11, verse 7, and it says, by faith... Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. You think about that, things he hadn't seen. Noah had never seen rain on the earth. He had never seen a flood uh, the way that God had spoken to him uh, that this flood was going to come. He was warned about things not yet seen, and he moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Amen. The Bible only tells us specifically of three men that walked with God. It tells us that Adam walked with God. It tells us that Enoch walked with God. And it tells us that Noah walked with with God. But it's interesting to me that the Bible opens with man walking with God. It tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, that Adam and Eve heard the sound or the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's the beginning. That's how this thing opens up the story of mankind, the story of human history begins telling us that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it also wraps up that way. It tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verses 23 through 24, it says that the Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light. I believe it's God's great desire to walk with us, for us to walk with him. For us to enjoy his presence, to enjoy his company, much the way that you would enjoy the presence, the company of your spouse or your best friend. God wants to walk with us. He wants to know us intimately and to remind us, as I said earlier, that he is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He's close to us. If we need him, if we call his name, he's there. If we will reach out to him, He will reach back to us. Our God is near. He's close to us. And he wants to walk with us. Noah walked with God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I'm astounded when I look at my television, when I look at social media, and I see the things that are going on in the world today. We live... You look at the news, you look at the television, you look at social media, we're reminded we live in a fallen world. Mankind is broken. Mankind is sinful. Yet I believe that as Noah walked with God, we too 
can walk with God in the midst of a crooked and per- perverse generation. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, the Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything, everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's where we are today. It reminds me of the words that Jesus spoke, that, that the, the day of his return would be much like the days of Noah. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. Check this last verse out here. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Or Noah found grace in the sight of God. This is the first mention of God's grace in Scripture. Reminds me of what Romans says, that where sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. I'm not a big fan of Calvinism. There is I, I, certain ten, I see in every tenet of Calvinism there's, there, there are threads of truth, and I, I, I get why they believe what they believe, because I can see threads of it throughout Scripture. But the one uh, tenet of Calvinism that I can totally get and accept is human depravity. We are wicked. We are wretched. Every thought, every imagination, just like the people in Noah's day, Every thought that we have, every imagination of man is wicked. We are depraved. We are fallen. We are far from God. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says it's written that there is no one who's righteous. Not, not one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks after God. The reality is every one of us, apart from Jesus and the work that he has done, every one of us are sinners who deserve judgment. Before salvation, before the work of the cross, before Jesus does a a work of regeneration in our lives, we are worthy of judgment. We are all sinners. There's not one of us. And we we, we ask people often, you know, are you saved? And they say, well, I'm a good good person. I I, I do good works. I, I help my neighbor out. I did this. I did that. And they're comparing themselves against other humans. But the reality is no matter how much good that we can do, no matter how hard we try to measure up, to, to the righteousness of God's standard, we all fall short of it. None of us are blameless. None of us are without sin. Every one of us, apart from the work of Jesus Christ, are completely, totally, and utterly, utterly depraved. Born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We are worthy of God's judgment. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We contrast this, we see the life of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. It says, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all the corruption of the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. However, In the midst of the crooked and perverse generation, Noah found grace 
in the sight of God. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 9, it says, Noah was a just man, perfect, or a righteous man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now, does this mean that Noah never sinned? Now, we, we read of Noah sinning in the scriptures. But I believe what it means is that he had a heart towards God. He had faith in God. He feared God. And I believe that that's why Noah found grace in the sight of God. He walked with God. I want to just take a minute here. I want to define righteousness. I want to try to, uh, to the best of my ability, give you some, some idea of what righteousness is. Righteousness is about right doing. And only that which accords with the revealed will of God is right. It's not man's standard. You go into any culture and you're going to find different standards. You go into the court there's a different standard. From judge to judge, there is a different standard of what righteousness is. But the only true standard, true standard of righteousness is what God has said. That's why the Bible said Abraham in Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God. He believed what God had said. And that was imputed to him for righteousness. Righteousness is about saying what God has said is right. I agree with God. I accept what God has said. I want my life to align with what God has said. Not the church standard, not the American standard, not this culture's standard or this people group's standard, but what God has said is truth. Righteousness is about right doing. It's walking according to the divine rule, namely the law of the Lord. Keeping his commandments is termed practical righteousness in scripture. Righteousness wrought out in our practice. But since by our nature, there, there's none that are righteous, there's none that can do good, there's none of us that can fulfill the law of God, it takes a miracle of grace. Noah found grace in the sight of God. In order for us to be righteous, we must find grace. There are three types of righteousness in Scripture. There's that which God communicates at regeneration when we are born again. And we must be born again. Jesus told us that. There's, there's no other way for us to come to the Father. There's no other way that, that our sins can be forgiven. There's no other way that we can have entrance to heaven in the life to come, but that we are born again. We must be born again, right? And at that new birth, God communicates to us his righteousness. It's not our righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible tells us. But it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is imputed to us. God imparts that to us. He gives us his own righteousness. It's, it's miraculous. It's not by anything that we can do. We simply receive the gift of God, and he imparts righteousness to us. Then there's righteousness which is reckoned to our account in justification, 
In justification, I, I, somebody said it this way one time, I think it may, may have been David Cook, but he says this, justification is just as if it never happened. We sinned, but God wipes the, the, slate, clean, clean, the, the slate clean and forgives us of our, our, our sins. Just as if we had never sinned. When we are in Christ, that's the way God views us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't claim to be a sinner anymore. That's not my identity. Does that mean that I never sin? I don't know. You have to ask my wife. <laughs> but I don't claim, I, listen, I'm, I, I am just as, I have clay feet just like every, all of us do. We all will sin from time to time. We all struggle and deal with sin on a daily basis. But we have a new identity in Christ Jesus. We are, the Bible calls us, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so by the imputed work of, of God in our lives, we receive righteousness and our, our, our slate is wiped clean. And the third thing is, 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 is the righteousness that is wrought out by, by us personally in sanctification. I believe in, in personal holiness. In Leviticus, I think it's chapter 2, chapter 4, there's a, a, a meat offering, and they, they offer bread in this offering to the Lord. They offer bread. And, and the Bible says that they, they put oil upon the bread, and then they put salt on the bread. Here's the picture. Jesus is the bread. We are the salt. Jesus himself teaches on this. He teaches that he is the bread, and we are the salt. And I believe the oil is the Holy Spirit. The bread speaks of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus turns to us because we have received his imputed righteousness, and he says, be salty. Have righteousness within yourself. In other words, he's calling us to live a righteous life, to live as he lived, to walk as he walked in this life. The Lord calls us, and it's only by the Holy Spirit. The salt sticks to the bread because of the oil. It's only because of the Holy Spirit that that, that righteousness can stick to us and, and take effect in our lives. It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of grace that causes us to live any, any, in any way in a righteous manner. It's God's working in us and not ourselves. How many of you realize that the church can be a messy place? Yeah, we are the righteousness of God, but we still have clay feet. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever been offended in the church? How many of you have, somebody in the church has sinned against you? Right? It happens, right? See, the, the church can stink. God calls us to stinky places. God called Noah to get in a boat with, I don't know how many hundreds of animals. In, in, in the museum there, the, creation, or the ark, there, there's, a, there's a, 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 a graph that, that shows the system of how they disposed of that manure. How many of you know it stunk on the ark? Right? But it was stink or swim. You either got to put up with the stench or you got to tread water for 190 days. Choice is yours. How many of you know we're better off in the boat? How many of you know despite all of our warts and pimples and all the other stuff that we have to put up with each other in relationship, it, it, it's worth being in the boat 
Amen? It may get stinky every once in a while. We might get into some situations every once in a while. You might step in it every once in a while, but it's worth being in the boat. Amen? And we've got to look, overlook one another's faults. And that we, we talked about that, right, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, right? Paul said, walk worthy of the calling. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith God has called you with, right? With, with meekness, with loneliness, considering one another, right? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We have to endeavor. We have to work to keep our relationships right in the church. We have to work through all that stink and mess and, because it's worth it. Amen? I want to be in the boat. The church is a good place. Amen? So an important point right here. Righteousness can only... We need to, we need to just establish this. Righteousness can only come through Jesus Christ. You can keep the Ten Commandments for a day, maybe a week, maybe a month. Maybe you're good enough to do it for a year. But sooner or later, you're going to miss the mark. Not only are there Ten Commandments, there were other commandments, there were other ordinances, other instructions in the, in the, the Scripture. You will violate in yourself the mark that God has set for us. All of us will. Our righteousness is nothing. Righteousness can only come through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. We need God's grace to live in this world, to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. We need his grace. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Our striving to fulfill the law, and listen, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. I ask people all the time, is the law spiritual or carnal? And generally, the response that comes back is carnal. And I believe it's Romans 7, 14. It says the law, the law is spiritual. The, pro- the law is not the, the problem. I am the problem. You are the problem. The problem is not with God's law. It's holy. It's perfect. The problem is with our flesh. We can't fulfill it. We are sinful and can't fulfill the law. Right? I am carnal. He says the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The problem is not the law. It's spiritual. It reveals to us the character, the nature of God. We fall short of that. The problem is right here. And so righteousness can only come through Jesus Christ. Indeed, he is not dead in vain. His work is finished, and it's effective. Amen? It is an effectual work for us. And because of what Jesus did, coming and living a perfect life for 33-plus years on this planet without sin in his life and being offered as the perfect sacrifice on that cross, we can receive the righteousness of God. It is imputed to us through Jesus Christ, his spirit, his grace, and it comes upon us, and we receive. The Bible says we have been made to be partakers of the divine nature. It's a work of grace, and only because of what Jesus Christ has done. So let's return to our original text, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. And he prepared an ark to the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah was warned of things 
not yet seen. Noah labored to build a boat. And if you've ever been in that ark, it, it, that, that structure is absolutely amazing. It took Amish crews and construction crews 23 months with modern equipment, with cranes and booms and lifts and all the modern electrical saws and these things. It took them 23 months with teams of them working to build this structure. Noah labored for 120 years to build that boat. Not having seen rain. He's 100 miles from the ocean. If it does not rain, he's going to look like a fool. For 120 years, he wasn't moved. He believed what God said. I'm going to rain. What's rain? Wet stuff falling from the sky. Never seen that before. You want me to build a what? An ark? Never heard of that. It's a boat without rudders. How in the world am I going to be able to control? Listen, here, 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 we need to learn this as believers. You can either have faith or you can have control. But you can't have both. He entrusted his life to God. He was walking with God. There was a closeness that he had with God that caused him to obey what God had said to him. Think about this. There, there are folks who hate to obey God. These are the same folks that have never walked with God. And then there are those who love to obey God. And these are the folks who walk with God. When you walk with God, when you know God, you love him, right? It's not hard for me to be faithful with my wife. Why? Because I love her. It's not hard. I have a relationship with her, right? It's not hard to be faithful to God and to obey him when you have a relationship with him, when you have a walk with him, when it's more than just a Sunday morning experience, but you walk with God day in and day out. You know what it is to ride to work on Monday morning and say, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Be with me. Lead me. Guide me. Give me opportunity to share what you have done for me with others. When you have that kind of a walk, when you can take your break and go away and get into your Bible and get into some scriptures and hear God speak to you, listen, it's not hard to obey God when you've got a relationship with him. But if not, how many of you have ever, we've heard that, right? Uh, rules without relationship breeds what? Rebellion, right? You've had a boss that doesn't care about you. It's hard to do what he says to do, Right? Somebody that's over you and they're telling you what to do. It gets old after a while when you know they don't care about you. But listen, this is what John, Jesus says in, in, in John. If you, if you keep my commandments, John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. John 14, 15, if you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. First John 5 and 3 the writer says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome or grievous. You think about that. When you walk with God, it's not hard to obey God. There was an, the old timers used to say it this way. 
If you live easy for him, it'll be hard. But if you live hard for him, it'll be easy. If you're all in on Jesus, the outflow of your life will be someone who's submitted under the authority of God, under the authority of Scripture, under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And your life will be the outworking of his nature, his spirit. That's why what we talk, we talk about when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, love and kindness and gentleness, and these, these things will manifest in our lives. The highest expression of obedience is life in the spirit. It's the, the gifts of the spirit manifesting through our lives. This is what God's calling us to. He wants to, us to walk with him so that he can manifest himself through us in this earth. For 120 years, Noah just simply did what God said to do. The faith walk re requires us to give up control, to surrender. Let's move on. Go going back to our test, it says that Noah was moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark. Noah worshiped as he worked. And we need to learn to do that. If you work at the sawmill, worship while you work. If you work in an office, worship while you work. He was moved with reverence. He worshiped God as he worked. He was moved with godly fear. Noah worked, Noah worshiped, and Noah witnessed. He worked all day long until the daylight was gone. And he worshiped as he worked. And then by night, he was a preacher. At revival meetings every night, nobody showed up except to laugh at him. But he worked, he worshiped, and he witnessed. I believe he probably preached a message something like this, God is good. Turn to him. His judgment's coming. He's sending rain. Come into the ark and be saved. He preached for 120 years. There was only one group that would listen to him, his family says that God, that Noah prepared an ark. He was moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. We need to hear this, men. A righteous man, a righteous man will make sure that his household is saved. It needs to be our number one priority. I don't want to upset any of our members any of our leaders or any of our board, but return church is not my first ministry. My first ministry is Rachel Hayes, and Noah, Nathan, Jensen, and Bethan. I don't think that makes any of our church members or any of our leadership in this house upset. They know I have a heart for God and that I'm going to serve and I'm going to work hard here too. There's a balance in life. Amen? Don't, don't pursue vocation and forsake your, your children, men. Or hobbies, recreation, relationships above your family. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to balance. Ministry, for me, it's demanding. 
There, there are friends and people that call me. There, there are demands. I have to do what I can to make sure that my family stays a priority. Men, come next Saturday. Come to this course. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Amen? Let's learn to be the men. Your, your, your family is depending on you. Your wife is depending on you. You are the priest of your household. Your family is depending on you to lead them. Don't lose your family. Think about it. What if, what if I could build a megachurch? What if I could reach 10,000 people? What if we could reach 20,000 or 100,000? What if we could send people all over the world and reach all kinds of people, but my children went to hell? I want to do all that. But I want to make sure that all of my kids are in the boat. I don't want to lose one of them. It's my priority. Man of God, it's got to be your priority. Righteous men make sure that their families are saved. Your, your, your kids need your leadership. They need you to declare the word of God, speak God's word into their lives. Model what it means to be a follower of Jesus to them. Listen, if you'll do that, I can't guarantee you, listen, they're going to grow up. They're going to make decisions on their own. But I believe that God will honor your walk before him, before your children. God will honor that, and he'll take care of your family. Amen? When Noah closed that door, his family was all on board, and that's important. Amen? And last, it says that by which he, command, he condemned the world, by Noah's walk with, with God, he condemned the world. By his walk, by his worship, by his witness, they all rejected the message. They all chose to go after their own life their own desires, and every one of them perished in the flood. Just a couple of closing thoughts, a couple more passages of Scripture. First Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in the terrible flood. The water is a picture of baptism. Wasn't that beautiful this morning? The water is a picture of Baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe those kids are going to be in heaven one day. Not because we dunked them in the water. Like the waters of Noah, these waters are a picture of the circumcision of the heart, of the new birth, the fact that we put our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, tells, it really illustrates this, this, this picture for us beautifully. The waters, it says that we, we are buried into those waters as Jesus was buried. And as we come up out of those waters, that we are resurrected with Jesus into newness of life. To walk with God. That's the picture. These baptismal waters don't save us. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. It's a picture. The ark is a picture. When we are in Christ, when we are in the ark, we will be saved. Amen? That's the picture.
Last verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. It says, now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also, listen, I love this, to walk as he walked. I think I've shared this quote with you before. It's a David Cook quote. What does it mean to be a Christian? To behold Jesus. To become like him. And to beam forth his light. That's what this Christian walk is all about. To behold Jesus. Become like him. And beam forth his light. Christian, you are called to walk in this world as Jesus walked. How many of you know Jesus walked with the Father? Amen. Amen. He's called us to walk with God, to be his hands and feet, to live in this world as he lived, to do the work of ministry, to extend the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. Listen, it's a lofty goal, but we can live as Jesus lived. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It is a daily fight. Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily fight to live like Jesus lived. It's a a daily journey. We strive in the spirit of God. The Bible tells us as we look into the mirror, which is the word of God, We are changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ from glory to glory by the power of God's spirit. This is a reminder to you. Don't forget who you are. Don't look into this mirror. Don't hear the word preached and go away not obeying. Look into the mirror Be reminded of who you are in Christ Jesus and walk as he walked in this world. That's what God's calling us to. Amen? Let's stand together.